Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, did you guys talk about Elizabeth last week? Um, Yeah, Kellen talked about Elizabeth. Um, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Stop me if you've heard this. I'm just kidding. I'm going to guess you've heard it once or twice. <clears throat> Joseph was a descendant of David. The, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. It's... Can we all just admit that's a weird story? Right? I mean, I know it's Christmassy, and it, like even just the, the start of it, it feels like Charlie Brown. You know, it's just like, it feels like, oh, there's this, this is a pretty little story. But can we all just admit this is a weird story? I mean, think about it from Mary's point of view. I mean, so here she is. She's, it's the middle of the night, and this guy, a dude shows up in your house. Ladies. A dude shows up in your house and says, hey, don't worry, God's going to make you pregnant. And to Mary's credit, she freaks out. Now, you might not have seen that in this, because this is like Bible speak. Luke Luke says um, that she was greatly troubled and wondered what this greeting might mean. And what he really means is she soiled her pants and wondered who this creepy dude in her room was, right? I mean, because this is, and okay, go take it a step further. One of the main plot points in the Christmas story is that God finds a teenage girl and makes her pregnant. Is that not weird? Does that not strike you as weird? And can I just tell you, if it doesn't seem weird to you, you've been in church way too long. Because it's just weird. And I'm not saying that to say that you shouldn't believe it or that I don't believe it. I'm just saying that to remind ourselves that some of the things that we believe, that we hold true, are crazy, weird things to believe. And, and I, I bring it up because I think we, we think that we've got sort of the corner on truth and we look down on other people for other things that they believe. Oh, look at those people over in Africa. They have all these superstitious beliefs. We believe God made a little girl pregnant, right? That's weird. But I, okay, I digress. But in the middle of this story, because this story, we, we, re, we read over the top of that weirdness, but we also read past a couple of statements that I think are super important. Um, and and it, it basically is a couple of things that the, the angel says specifically about Mary and to her. So first he says, greetings, you who are highly 
favored. And then he says, you have found favor with God. Mary found favor with God. Do you know what that means? No, no I mean, like, do you know what that means? I really, I really don't. I'm not sure I understand what that means. Because I hear Christians say favor a lot. And, and uh, you know, they, they normally talk about the favor. Don't you want the favor of God in your life? And that seems like a no-brainer. Sure. I want the favor of God in my life. I don't know what it is, but that sounds great. And so um, because I, I, you know, I knew that I was going to have to preach on this this week, I thought I'd, I better do some research on the favor of God. And, and so um, I, I got my lead research assistant, the Googs, and um, he found, the very first thing the Googs found for me was a, a quote by um, somebody named uh, Gloria Copeland. Now, you might know her, you might not know her, you might think great things or bad things about her. It doesn't matter. I just want to start with this quote because it was the first thing the Googs showed me. And here's the quote. How would your life look if you were surrounded all day and every day by God's favor? How different would things be if doors opened for you and you walked through each one covered with God's favor? Would your actions and attitudes in every situation be any different if you knew beyond any doubt that success lies ahead because you are one of God's favorites? That sounds amazing. I want that. Who doesn't want it? It feels like if you've got God's favor, doors are just flying open in front of you. That sounds great. Success is right there for the taking. That sounds good. I like success. Who doesn't want success in their lives? Who doesn't want doors to open? Um, and, and the truth is, I, I, okay, I'm kind of, I, I read that thing, and the first thing in me, that, that jumps up is like, it, I don't think it can possibly be that simple, right? It, it can't be that easy because there's something inside of me that really loves the idea that I could just do a few certain things and I can get the favor of God and all the doors will open in my life and, and success will be mine to have. And because the truth is, that sounds like, that sounds like a really great thing. But the, the reality is, I think there is truth in the, in the concept, the understanding of the favor of God. But I think it's a little more complex than a lot of us like to admit that even what Gloria Copeland wrote in this would want to admit. And so um, I, I, I'd like to dig into the complexity of God's favor. It's clear that Mary found favor with God, right? That's super clear in the text. Gabriel says, you have found favor with God. But what did, what did that look like in Mary's life? I think that's a good place for us to start. If, if we know that Mary found favor with God, what did, it lo- what did God's favor look like in Mary's life? And, and the, one of the first things, the, the real question is, in Mary's life, did it look like open doors? Did the, did the favor of God look like success in Mary's life? And what's funny is one of the very first stories that we have, one of, the, one of the next stories we have in the life of Mary is literally a closed door. You know, the inn, there was no room for them in the inn, right? So they, they get to the inn, they have no room. So she, the first thing that we get is that she is um, 
She has to have her baby in a barn. And then what happens after that? Ah, after that, King Herod goes crazy and decides he wants to kill the Savior. And so he kills thousands and thousands of babies. So what do they have to do? They got to go on the run. Mary, highly favored Mary. She has found favor with God. She had to give birth in a barn, and now she has to go on the run for a long time. She has to be, make sure that her baby is safe. And she gets back, and then, I mean, you wonder what her life was like. I mean, if she found favor with God, did it feel successful? I mean, do you think, how do you think she felt when she took uh, Jesus to Jerusalem and she lost him? You remember that story? You had one job. You're the mother of Jesus. You had one job. Don't lose the Savior. How do, you, do you think she felt like a total loser at that moment? I'm sure she did, but I'm sure that wasn't the only time. I'm sure she was, I mean, it's scary enough to raise your kids, right? What if your kid was the Savior of the world? I mean, we're talking about, you want to talk about self-doubt? You want to talk about worry? Do you think Mary always felt favored? Do you think she felt successful as she, do you th- think she felt like all the doors were open as she watched the religious elite detest her son and then brutally beat her son and then execute her son? Do you think she felt favored by God? But I got to be honest with you, I don't think it was all bad, right? Like, I just painted a really bleak picture of Mary's life, and I don't think that's a complete picture either. Because the truth is, Mary, Mary was the mother to Jesus himself. I mean, can you imagine how amazing that must have been? Can you imagine the moments when he was little, when he would crawl up onto her lap and curl up and fall asleep? I mean, I would guess that he was a pretty great kid, you know? Wouldn't you think? It's Jesus. I mean, listen, I know you've got great kids, but we're talking about Jesus here, right? How amazing. And then as he grew into a teenager and into a young adult, can you, can you imagine the pride that she must have felt to see this young man? And not just what, what he would accomplish in the world, but the kind of person that he was, kind and generous and gentle. Can you imagine the pride she must have had in her little boy? Can you imagine as she watched her son give himself for the sake of others over and over and over, ending it in the cross? Can you imagine the pride she had? It wasn't all bad. Because for Mary, this must have been the truth about the favor of God. You who are highly favored, it was complicated. God's favor brought her this amazing gift of Jesus, but it also brought hardship and fear and love and grace and doubt and pain. 
and peace. And it was all mashed up into this complex life, just like the kind of life you and I lead. And so as we live in wonder this Christmas season, that's our, our um, little short uh, series that we're doing. As we talk about the wonder of the Christmas season, today I would like to talk to you about the wonder of the favor of God. And, um, and, and I wanted to start with Mary's story because Mary's story makes it clear that finding favor with God allows you to be a part of his priorities, not the other way around. You know, um, I think Gloria Copeland in her, in her quote, I actually believe everything she said. Everything she said was right. I do believe that the favor of God is marked by open doors and success. I believe that. But I think that the, the question that we have to ask ourselves, the thing that we have to add into that, because as soon as I say those words, what it means is, to most of us, is we get what we want. But the reality is that even though open doors and success are the markers of God's favor, the doors that God chooses to open are often very different than the ones we would open for ourselves. And so, um, so I, the, the reality is that the, that the priorities that God has for our success are different than the priorities that we have. And so I wanted to just, as we get started, I want to tell you three things that I don't think God is all that concerned about. And I know there, there are things that we want to be his priorities. But in reality, I don't think they actually are. The first one is that I don't think that God is all that concerned with your success. Now, I know it, we desperately want God to care as much about our side hustle as we do, right? You know what a side hustle is? It's a little thing that you got going on on the side that you think someday is really going to take off, right? And you're really going to you're really either make a lot of money or you're going to get famous or it's really going to, you know, become this thing that's great. And we, and I'm not I'm not saying anything against a side hustle. I think it's a great thing. But but my point is that we put so much emphasis on the success of the, of the things that we try to accomplish in life. And I would just like to suggest that God is less concerned with that kind of material success, with the, with the world's definition of success. Because, because the world's definition of success, if we get it, it often leads to pride. And pride, when it takes root in our life, makes it really hard to become the people God called us to be. It's the one of the most detrimental things to becoming the people that God wants us to be. And so while success seems like the most important thing, I don't think God is all that concerned with it. That's the first one. Second thing is that I, don't, I believe that God is not all that concerned with your comfort. Listen, Every single person in this room wants everything to be taken care of in, this, in their life. 
We want our kids to be happy. We want our bills paid. We want our house to be clean. We want our job to be secure. We want our retirement set. All of those things, they make us comfortable. They make us feel peaceful. Everybody wants that. And the truth is, we love the idea when we hear it in church, especially this time of the year, we use the word peace a lot. We love the idea that God wants us to have peace. But we assume that he wants to give us peace through comfort. Can I say that again? Most of us assume that the way God will bring peace into our life is through some kind of comfort. But here's the problem. Comfort makes us self-reliant. When everything's taken care of, we get self-reliant. Comfort makes us apathetic. Comfort keeps us from growing. And so while I do believe that God wants to bring peace into our lives, I would suggest that it rarely happens, that God rarely brings peace to our lives through comfort. So God is not all that concerned with your success. He's not all that concerned with your comfort. This one's harder. God is not all that concerned with your happiness. I can't tell you how many times I've sat across from somebody and they said, well, obviously God wants me to be happy. Right? It's clear that God wants me to be happy. I I would suggest that happiness is rarely the goal. Rarely God's goal. Uh, there's this thing that's going on on um, social media right now, um, and I, it's just part of culture, actually. Um, and I got two two like te- older teenage girls, and so so I hear some of this stuff, and um, but I see it on on Facebook all the time too. And it's a phrase that is driving me nuts on Facebook. Maybe you've heard it, and it's like somebody will post a picture, and then it'll be captioned just living my best life. You know what I'm talking about? Just living my best life. This is her living her best life. Anybody seen this on social media? I'm just living my best life. And, it, and it's funny. And I know it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but here's the truth. Here's what it mostly looks like. You look at something on Instagram, and it's a picture of food, and somebody's like hanging out with my friends at this amazing restaurant, Restaurant, just living my best life. Uh, just Here's a picture of me on a beach with, in my bikini just leaving, living my best life, right? Um, he, the, the truth is, there is nothing wrong with eating at a really cool restaurant. I love eating at delicious restaurants. It's fantastic. There's nothing wrong with going to the beach. I love going to the beach. I love being on vacation. Nothing wrong with any of those things. The, the problem is, neither of those things have anything to do with living your best life. That whole just living my best life, it drives me crazy because it is never about what, re- what it really means to live your best life. Those things are just about, they're about happiness. They're about right now, because really what you're saying, when you, when you put that on, when somebody puts that online, what they're saying is, uh, they're not really saying I'm living my best life. What they're really saying is I, something good is happening to me right now, so I feel good about it, and it makes me happy. That's what that is. That has nothing to do with living our best life. Because here's the truth about happiness. 
Happiness happens in the flesh, the here and now, and is fleeting. But joy happens in the spirit and is eternal. Happiness is an emotion that, is, that comes and goes with the circumstances around us. When I get to go on vacation, I'm happy. It's fun, of course. And is there anything wrong with that? Of course there's nothing wrong with it. But it comes and goes. When life gets terrible, happiness goes away. Happiness is, in, is, uh, happens in the flesh and is fleeting. Joy happens in the spirit and is eternal. It is, it is not something that is, that's dictated by our circumstances. And it lasts forever because it comes from the Spirit Himself. That's where joy comes from. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And, and you know, you've, you've experienced this before. I'm sure most of you have. You have people whose circumstances are fantastic, and they're never happy. And there are people you've met whose circumstances are terrible. And yet there is some inner peace and hope and joy. I, every time I think about this, I think of my friend Angelo. Lives in Haiti. Um, one of my favorite people in the world. He's got nothing. Every, everything is a struggle. Finding food today for him, his wife, and his three kids. That's it. That's his life. Um, but you, never, you have never met, I promise you, you have never met a more joyful person in your life. What is that? And I, I'll meet rich people who've got everything taken care of. And they got nothing when it comes to joy. Because happiness, oh, they've got happiness here and there. They go on their nice expensive vacation. They buy their nice expensive car. They go home to their nice expensive house and they pay people to fix things and you know all that stuff. The people don't have who don't have the money wish that they had. But the reality is there is a difference between happiness and joy. And that deep inner truth that my friend Angelo's got is like nothing I've ever experienced. And I, um, I just want to make sure that we understand that God is less concerned about how you feel right now when it comes to your circumstances than he is with bringing you inner joy that will change how you respond to any circumstance. The, the Apostle Paul said, I have learned the secret of being content, having that kind of joy in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. He says, I figured it out. And it is not something, I fi- something that I can do. It's something that happened to me. He says, I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. It is a spiritual, internal, eternal experience. God is absolutely concerned with your joy. Not so much with your happiness. So, if that's true, if, if the favor of God, we're coming back to the favor, right? If the favor of God is less concerned uh, with your success or your comfort or your man, uh, momentary happiness, it starts 
to get clear that gaining God's favor isn't about getting him to bend to our demands. Because that's most of the time when you hear about the favor of God from Christians, what it means is how do I get God to do what I want him to do? That's not what the favor is. Mary didn't try to get God to bend to her demands, did she? Here she comes. Okay, we're back in that room. She freaks out for good reason. The angel Gabriel says, here's what's going to happen. Here's, God's going to make you pregnant. And she's like, what? And he said, ah, yeah. And she says, how's this going to happen? And he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come onto you and literally make you pregnant. What? And she didn't, you notice, she doesn't negotiate. She doesn't, she isn't like, whoa, 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 whoa. You say prince of peace, like I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the mother of a king. Well, that means he's a prince, and for the prince, I'm gonna need some kind of castle. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need you to take, here's some stuff I need you to take care of first, God. No, no, no. She doesn't negotiate. She doesn't try to bend God's will to her will. Well, how does she respond? She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. That's it. Simple. I am here to serve. Do whatever you want. You see, God's favor isn't a tool we use to get what we want. His favor is something we submit to in order to live our best life. Okay, that phrase is starting to grow on me. Because there is a best life, isn't there? Okay, I want to say one one last chunk of things before about favor before we're done. Because, you know, we've kind of talked around the favor of God so far, and we really haven't talked about the word that the angel Gabriel used that that we translate as favor. Because you know... um, English wasn't around back then, right? Um, And so most likely Gabriel would have spoken to Mary actually in Aramaic. That's the language that she would have spoken. Um, So he says all of these things, greetings, you you who are highly favored, you found favor with God. He says all of that in Aramaic. Later, Luke, the guy who writes this down, actually writes it in another language, the language of Greek. And he uses a certain word for favor that we're going to learn today. We are going to have ourselves a little Greek lesson. You guys up for it? I don't care. We're going to do it anyway. I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so the word that, that we translate as favor is a Greek word. And you're going to have to say it with me, but, but i got to tell you, the, the word starts with a, with a sound that we don't normally make. And it's like the clearing in the back of your throat kind of a sound. You know what I'm saying? It's everybody do it a little. <laughs> yeah, all right. So the word is charis. It's not charis. It's charis. Everybody? Charis. One more time. Okay. Charis. Charis is the word that we, that we translate as favor. The favor of God. And what's interesting is we just spent 
you know, our, our time together talking about this word as the English word favor, um, it's actually this word is used 156 times in the New Testament. Um, and what's interesting is that only a few times is that word translated as favor. Only a few times does it get translated as the favor of God. 130 times it gets translated into a different word. Charis is translated most often as grace. Grace. The favor of God is the grace of God. Charis is grace. You see, God's, here's, here's what, why it matters so much that we use this term, this term favor as this way that we twist God's arm into doing something that we want him to do. When that was never what it's about. Favor is grace. You see, God's favor isn't something we have to find. We don't go find God's favor. You know, uh, the angel says, Mary, you have found favor with God. And because of that, maybe we think, hey, I got to do something. I got to go get God's favor, right? He says, Mary, you have found favor favor with God. But God's favor isn't something we have to find. It's not something we have to earn. We have already got it. If you have God's grace in your life, you have his favor. They're the same thing. There's no difference. You see, Mary was highly favored, which meant that she was full of God's grace. But guess what? So are you. So am I. If you, if you have accepted the gift that Jesus gave on the cross, you are highly favored. You don't have to go looking for it. You don't have to earn it. It's already there. You. God has found favor with you. And so I can be like Gabriel. And I can say to you, just the way he said to Mary, greetings you who are highly favored, who are full of God's grace. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Or more accurately, God's favor has found you. And his grace and his favor, his charis, they come without restriction in a myriad of ways. But I want to talk about three real quick before we go. Number one, we get charis, we get grace, we get favor in the form of salvation. That's the, like the foundational one. That we find that God, in his infinite goodness, wanted to bridge the gap between himself and the people that he loved. And so he sent his son to die on a cross, to give himself completely so that we would have the gift, not just of eternal life, but the gift of connection to our creator. And I'll tell you, if you've never never said yes to the connection, if 
you've never said yes to that fundamental base level of charis, of grace, of favor that God has offered to you, if you have never submitted to that, man, please don't leave here without it. But that is the first most fundamental level of charis. But then after we are saved, we start to understand, we start to realize that grace doesn't end there. We get charis in the form of mercy for our shortcomings. I don't know if you know this, but you're screwed up. I mean, so am I. So is everybody. And if you thought you were coming to church today with a bunch of people who have it all figured out, well, you were mistaken. Because we are a mess. I would love to pretend like I got it all figured out. Like I have the answers, like I figured out how to, how to make all the right choices. Jeez, I'm not even close. But here's what I know. I'm a mess. You're a mess. Just wanting to get our mess closer to Jesus. But that's part of God's grace. Every day I screw up. And every day he's there, ready to forgive. I mean, and it's not like a forgiveness like the way I forgive people. You know the way I forgive people? I'm like, all right, that's fine. Just don't do it again, right? That's not how God forgives. God is not surprised when we screw up. He's not angry when we screw up. He's not disappointed when we screw up. He is in love with us. And when we screw up, he says, yeah, I knew you were going to do that. Let's... Let's keep going. The mercy that God offers is not reluctant mercy. It is full and complete without compunction. Uh, charis in the form of salvation. Charis in the form of mercy for our shortcomings. And charis in the form of peace and joy. The Hebrews called it shalom. And it's more than, it's, it's, it's not happiness, remember. And it's not quiet. The word peace, we think of peace meaning quiet. It's not either of those things. It's, it's this deep, inner, spiritual, eternal state of mind, state of heart, state of being that says, no matter what's happening around me, Something is always right on the inside. That's shalom. And so you want to live your best life? Submit to the favor of God. Can I say that again? You want to live your best life? Don't post on Facebook. Submit to the favor of God. It won't always look like success or comfort or momentary happiness. Living your best life means letting go of the control of what that life should look like and submitting to the, the charis, the favor, the grace of God in your life. It is a trade-off. Can I tell you this? I would love to be able to come here and just say, hey, if you do all of this stuff, 
then God's favor will be on your life and you can go exactly where you want to go. That's not, that's not what the point of God's favor. Because yes, if we submit to the charis of God, yes, we get God's peace. Yes, we get joy. Yes, we get salvation. Yes, we get mercy for our shortcomings. Yes, we get all of this stuff. But on the other side, there's a trade-off. I just want you to understand there is a trade-off and the trade-off is control. We, if we want all of this, we have to let go of control. You can't have the favor of God and control of your life. They don't go together. If you want one, you've got to give up the other. The charis of God The favor of God isn't a tool we use to get our own way. If we want God's favor, we have to give up control. Got to be willing to let go of our plans and submit to his. And his plans aren't always easy. As a matter of fact, they are most often very complicated. God's plans are most often super complex with highs and lows, successes and failures, with pain and love and fear and hope and doubt and everything else that comes with following God's plan, just like Mary's life. It's not the easy road. It's not the wide road. But Jesus said, enter through the narrow road. Gate For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate. And narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Do you want to live your best life? It ain't about Instagram photos and trips to the beach. Your best life is waiting when we submit to the favor of God in our lives and follow it wherever He leads. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.